Revelation 21. Saints of God, give your attention now to the reading of the Word of God, for this is the very Word of God, which is faithful and true. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 and 8. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word, now to the preaching of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us now as, Lord, we consider this uh, warning from our Savior. Help us, Lord, not to see that this warning is for other people, but it is for all of us, for all of us to take heed to. And dear God, help us to know that in Christ we are able to overcome Every single one of these temptations, Lord, give us minds that understand and hearts that believe. Dear God, I decrease that you may increase. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to welcome you on this Lord's Day Sabbath. As we continue our studies through and are nearing the end uh, of our studies through the Apocalypse of John. The Apostle here is given, especially this 21st chapter, given the great privilege of receiving a vision of the new heaven and the new earth, which together are called the Holy City, the New Jerusalem. Uh, These are synonymous. Holy City, New Jerusalem, they mean the same thing. The New Jerusalem, the Holy City, they are the bride of Christ. They are the bride that has been made ready and beautifully adorned for her husband, Christ, with whom she shall reign for all time without end. What John is seeing, again, is the glorified church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the Holy City. The church is the New Jerusalem. The church is the bride who has been made ready and adorned for Christ. On that blessed day when Christ will return and make all things new, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is all who have trusted in Christ from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, they shall be, we shall be finally gathered and we will hear a loud voice from the throne saying, verse 20, verse 3 of chapter 21, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no longer any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. All things shall be made new, God declares. All things shall be rightly ordered. Death shall be no more. Sin shall be no more. 
death and sin and even Satan will be cast into the lake of fire forever without end. God will tabernacle among us. We will dwell with him. He will dwell with us in the fullest sense of dwelling with God. John sees that the intimacy between God and his people will be such that no thought, no feeling, no expression of pain, more mourning or tears or sorrow will exist within the people of God. When you are with God, there will no longer be pain, no sorrow and no tears. There will be no recalling even of sadness. You will not look upon your days on earth and think about the dark days. You will not think about dark days because in heaven, in the presence of God, and then in the new creation, there will be no darkness. We shall be totally filled to the, the very ends of our extremities with complete joy. There will be no room and no place for sorrow or sadness in heaven, in the presence of God, nor in the new creation. Praise be to God. Someone might say, someone has asked before, will we think about those who are not there and be sad that they're not? Answer, no. You won't have a second thought. They, they won't be somewhere in your mind, oh, oh, I wish that so-and-so was here. If they were, this would be so much better. In the presence of God, you will know fullness of joy, and there will be no space for any sorrow or sadness. Praise be to God. Your time to, to mourn over them and sorrow for them is now. It won't be then. There is a place for sorrow, and it is not in the presence of God. It is outside of the presence of God. When we are in God's presence, when we have received the blessed vision, happiness shall, listen to this about us, consume the whole of our being. You know moments of happiness, but then they, they, they fade away. In the presence of God, happiness will be, um, it will be your existence forever without end, without diminishing. You will only know pure joy. There will be no room for sorrow. Sorrow will not find a home in you, nor sorrow, nor will sorrow find a home in the presence of God, because sorrow has a place. It is outside of God's presence, His holy presence, His holy and good and um, shining presence, I should say. Sorrow is for those who find themselves outside of the good pleasure of God. Dear ones, God will remove and eradicate every hint of sorrow in his presence. Praise be to God. Uh, saints, if you feel sorrow today, praise God that it will be eliminated. One of our dear sisters, Doreen, um, has had a family tragedy. She feels great sorrow for them now. That will not be present in the presence of God in heaven, nor in the new creation. You can feel sorrow today. But look forward to this, that there will be a day when all sorrow will be eradicated from your being. Praise be to God. The Bible says in Hebrew, I'm sorry, in Revelation 21, 5, He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. 
We talked about this a few weeks ago. The Lord calls John to emphasize that his word is faithful and true because it finds its source in he who is faithful and true. Because God is faithful and true, his word is faithful and true. We therefore give ourselves wholly, completely then, to the hearing of the word of God. But God also wants John to stress this. It is done. The merging of heaven and earth. God dwelling with his people. Sorrow being removed. Happiness being complete in God is as good as done. The whole of election of grace, this is from John Gill, completed. Every vessel of mercy raised, living saints changed, and together as a bride prepared for her husband, the promises and prophecies of the glorious state of the church fulfilled, the mystery of God revealed, the kingdom of Christ complete, and all other kingdoms destroyed, the day of redemption has come, salvation of the saints perfect, all in Christ are saved with an everlasting salvation. That is done in Christ. It, it, it is, it is um, we, we like to say, already not yet. It is done. He who has opened the door to set forth history will close the door on history. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And as we move into the larger portion, next week we will cover a large portion of chapter 21. As we come, and then even now to the the very end nearing of this book of visions, the Lord encourages his people to do this. Overcome. <clears throat> overcome. Endure. Overcome. So that you might share in the inheritance of Christ. Before John is uh, carried away by the Spirit, one last time in verse 10, Christ addresses his people. And he calls them, and he calls you to this. Overcome. Overcome. Uh, the other uh, uh, meaning for overcome is conquer. Overcome. Conquer. Christ is examining the church. He is, if you will, He is walking through the aisles, the pews of the church, and He is examining the people. And He is saying to them, before He returns, because He sees all and because He knows all, he is saying to you, examine yourselves, overcome. Examine yourselves, conquer. For there will come a time when it will be too late. Today is the day of salvation. Overcome, conquer. Two points this morning concerning the overcomer. If there is one point for this morning's sermon, it is the overcomer. And we're going to see that in two different facets. The overcomer. Number one, the overcomer. Revelation 21, 7. He who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my, my son. We'll discuss where John draws. And let me say this before I be. What you're going to hear today, you already know. What you're going to hear today, I, I don't think will be anything new. It will be, I think, what Christ is intending it to be for the church, a push forward. It will be what I think Christ is intending it to be for the church of all time. Motivation to keep doing what you know you should be doing. Notice then, overcoming 
must occur before the believer inherits promises. Overcoming must occur before we inherit the promises of God. How does one overcome? What is the overcoming that John is referring to in Revelation that will result in receiving an inheritance? How does one overcome? What is what must we overcome in order to receive this inheritance? The overcoming that John is speaking of before we enter into the new creation is an overcoming of Satan, the world, and the flesh. Overcome what, John? Overcome Satan. Overcome your flesh. Overcome the world. Do this and you will receive an inheritance in which God says you will be his son. Sons and daughters. Well, how do I do that? How do I overcome Satan? How do I overcome my own flesh? How do I overcome the world that is attempting to lure me to it? Well, John has already given us the answer, hasn't he? Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, the serpent, the devil, Satan, the dragon. How, John? Because of the blood of the Lamb. John says, overcome and you will, be, you will inherit sonship. Our question is how? John's response is by the blood of the Lamb. That's not all that John says, but that is first what John says. How do I overcome Satan? I like the pause there. Satan is pursuing you. Let me say to every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, Satan has asked for you by name. It's what, it's what Christ said to Peter. Satan wants you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy all of God's elect. Satan wants you. Let me say to you also that because of sin, your flesh, you are new creations in Christ, but your flesh wants to war against the new man. Let me say then also that the world is attempting to lure whatever sin is left, uh, is yet left within us, lure us away. How do we overcome? John says, by the blood of the Lamb. The believer overcomes Satan, the flesh, and the world. First, by the blood of the Lamb. That is this. Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the believer overcomes Satan. The believer overcomes the flesh. The believer overcomes the world to his person. And listen, this is not even scratching the surface. surface. Go back to listen to Pastor Isaiah's sermons on Christology. Christ is the God-man. What, what does John mean? Overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. Who is this blood? Who is this Lamb? And why is his blood so special? 
Why is it able to um, allow us, help us, make us overcome? Because he's the God-man. He is the perfectly divine and perfectly human one. If Christ is not the only begotten Son of God, the eternal Word, the wisdom of God, one and equal with the Father in spirit, the divine one, then we are still in our sin. Then you have no chance against Satan. If Christ is not the God, is not God, you have no chance against the flesh, nor the world. If Christ is only a man and not God, you have no chance against these foes. If Christ is not God, then we are still in our sin and we have no chance against our enemy. If Christ is not a man, then we are still in our sin and we have no chance against our enemy. If Christ is only God, only, then we are still in our sin and we have no chance against our enemy. If Christ is only man, then we are still in our sin and have no chance against our foe. Christ is the God-man. Hypostatic union explains that Christ is truly God and truly man. He is perfectly divine and perfectly human and has two complete distinct natures at the same time. I commend to you again Isaiah's sermons to his work. The eternal word who is one with the Father and Spirit assumed our flesh. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It is because of his person and his work that you now have a chance against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The only begotten Son of God birthed, by, birthed in the womb of the Virgin. The only Son of God. Uh, his work did not begin at the cross. It began at the incarnation when angels gathered in Bethlehem to sing his praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The God-man was once the God-infant. And then the God-child who obeyed his father and his mother, who taught in the temple, and who amazed teachers with his questions and with his answers, his wisdom. And when the time had come for his ministry to begin, the God-man gave sight to the blind. The, the God-man gave hearing to the deaf. He healed the sick, raised the dead, and delivered the gospel to those who are poor in spirit. At his presence, and by his very name, demons shudder. In fear that they would be tortured before the day of judgment. Satan tested him in the wilderness. Tested him in the garden. Tested him at the cross. But Christ overcame his enemy. And every one of his futile advances. Christ is the Holy One. He's the God-man. He is the Holy One. He is the sinless one. He is the impeccable one. He is the impenetrable one. Faithful and true Son of God. He is the Son of Man as well. The one that Daniel saw arriving on clouds of glory. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the long-awaited one. He is the promised seed of the woman that would crush the serpent's head. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ is also a love gift from the Father to His creatures made in His image that are bound by sin so that we might be set free from this bondage. For God so loved the world we know. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I'm preaching to you the gospel I hope you know. Amen. I'm preaching to you the way that you can be liberated and overcome Satan, the flesh, and the world. It is through the gospel of Christ. The Lord Jesus came to give his life to pay debt of sin. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to give his life as a ransom. To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
He was a willing gift, a yielding gift of love. For this reason, the Father loves me, he says, because I lay down my life so that I might take it back again. No one takes it from me, Christ says, but I lay it down. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back. And lay it down, he did. Betrayed, unjustly convicted, mercilessly nailed to the cross, pierced in his side. And when he finally breathed his last, he declared in victory, it is finished. It is done. It is accomplished. Christ is the conqueror because Christ not only laid down his life, but Christ also took up his life again, just as he said that he would. Christ is victorious over the world. Christ is victorious over the flesh. Christ is victorious over Satan. And if you trust in Christ, you too will be victorious over Satan, the flesh and the world. Because Christ is the conqueror, if you are in Christ, you too are a conqueror. Because Christ overcame, if you are in Christ and trust in Christ, you too are an overcomer, saints of God. If you are in Christ, you are an overcomer. It's, it's, saints of God, if you are in Christ, the scriptures say that you are, the old folk used to say, more than conquerors. If you are in Christ. John says... Overcome. He who overcomes will inherit sonship from God. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. Christ receives a people for his own possession. Christ receives a name that is above every name and is exalted forever. If you trust in Christ, you will overcome as Christ has overcome. If you trust in Christ, you will share in Christ's inheritance. If you trust in Christ, you will be a son as Christ is God's son. He who overcomes, John says, will inherit these things. John has already seen in Revelation 12, saints overcome the enemy because of the blood of the Lamb of God. And all that we have just explained concerning the person and work of Christ is the way by faith in Him that one overcomes. God says, He who overcomes will inherit all that is promised in the new creation that has been described in Revelation 21, and all that is yet to be revealed in Revelation 21 and 22. These things are yours. Listen to this stuff. The caveat is, if you overcome. How do I do that? Through the one who has overcome. I believe this is vitally important for us to get. Notice the language. He who overcomes, verse 7, will inherit these things and I will be his son and, and he will be, I'm sorry, I will be his God and he will be my son. A very few times does, does God use that kind of language. We, we only think of son as, as pertaining to the only begotten son. And here God says, for him who overcomes, you will receive likewise sonship. John is quoting two verses, and I'm going to read them. 2 Samuel 7.14 and Psalm 89.26. Listen to these two verses, right? Listen to Psalm, Psalm 89.26. He will cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth, my loving kindness I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall be confirmed to him. 
So I will then, so I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. God says that he gives one thing to, to his son and then he gives the same thing to, to the descendants of his son. I, I hope that you're catching that. God says, I will make him my son and then I will give to him, I will give to his descendants Everything that I've given to him, they will take on the same kind of status that he has. Second Samuel seven fourteen. I will be a father to him and he will be to me a son. John is doing this. He's combining two verses and he's appropriately applying them to Christ. And then appropriately applying them to the people of Christ. John is saying in, in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 7, these two verses are fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the Son of God. And if you trust in Christ, you also become a son of God. Which means that all that Christ has inherited by way of sonship and by way of obedience, laying down his life, taking it back up again, it belongs to him. And also, if you trust in Christ, all that Christ has received by way of rewards will also be yours. This inheritance of sonship also will be yours if you are in the Son. My sons and my daughter, my wife and I's sons and daughters and daughter, they receive all that is ours by way of them being ours. A good father and a good mother um, give all that they have to their children. My, my mom is a wonderful example of that. I was saying to my son in driving the other day, we were talking about um, when my dad had something, it was my dad's. When my mom had something, it was anybody's. Mama's like that. My mom is not a stingy mother. My wife is like that. They don't keep things to themselves. They say, you can have it. And you're constantly saying, no, mom, keep it for yourself. She says, for what? It's yours. Take it. I don't need it. What am I going to do with it? That's what good parents do. They share their goodness. My dad was, don't, you ate my cookies? Cookies. You ate my cookie. I couldn't have, I got in trouble once for my sister because she's the one who ate them, but I took the blame and I got a whooping and I never got whoopings, but I got one that day over a cookie. Good parents share their goodness. It, it's, it's an extension of who they are. They don't keep it to themselves. They, 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 by way of their nature, they give of themselves and Goodness pours out of them. The Son of God is good, and in His goodness, because of His, his very being, He gives of Himself goodness to those who are His. But John says that all that is the Son's is yours if you are in the Son. And you, if you are in the Son, you are able to overcome as the Son overcame. The Son does not just, the Son not only gives you His inheritance, He also gives you the ability to overcome as he overcame. He doesn't just give you the inheritance, which is good. Praise God for that. He also gives you the ability to overcome just as he overcame. So if Christ has overcome Satan, the flesh, and the world, and if you are in Christ, then you too are able to overcome because you are in the Son. He doesn't withhold his um, giving to you that which is his, the ability to overcome. It's also yours. You can 
You have been given the ability, the, the will, the power. It is in you to overcome Satan, the world, the flesh, and the devil. How? By faith. But he's also given you ability. I gave this story a few weeks ago. I was with my daughter in the pool. And the pool is three feet deep. My daughter is just over three feet. Her head can go over it. We were in the pool together. And while we were in the pool, I was guiding her. And there came a point where I eventually was saying, I'm going to let you go. And she's freaking out. Don't let me go. No, Dad, please don't let me go. I say to her, Selah, you can stand. I'm here. I'm, I'm not going to let you drown, but you can stand. After she gets over the hysteria of the fact that I'm going to let her go, she finally puts her feet on the ground and stands up and she starts to, um, like almost, uh, embarrassingly laugh. <laughs> I'm okay. You are okay. You can stand. I'm not going to let you drown. I'm here with you, but I've also, you also have the ability, the strength, the, uh, the will to stand. God, saints of God, has given you the ability to stand. Do not think for one second you're going to drown. Do not think for one second God's just going to let you go and then go swim in the nine foot area and say, well, you're on your own now. He is with you. And he's also empowered you to stand. You are an overcomer. You are a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Do not think for one second that you're not. Of course you are. This is not taking from a charismatic false theology. This is taking straightly from the scriptures. You are an overcomer. You can stand. You are more than conquerors. Scriptures actually say that in the, in the Nazareth, you are overwhelmingly conquerors. In Christ Jesus. Inheritance is yours. And here's the condition. Overcome. How am I supposed to do that? In the one, by, through the one who has overcome. Christ. You do this by faith. Faith is a persuasion of the mind. It's a, it's a persuasion of the heart to, to reason, to believe, to love. It's what faith is exemplified in, a, in, a, in an action though. Do you believe in the Son of God? I do. Then it's exemplified in an act. What, what kind of act? Overcoming. Overcoming is the kind of act. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21. He who overcomes, Jesus says, listen to this. I will grant to him to sit down with me. Listen to where he's sitting. Okay, On my throne, as I overcame... And sat down with my father on his throne. You hear that? Christ is promising a share of the inheritance. Or Christ is promising a place on the throne where he is seated with the father for you. Some of you, um, you, you like to put your chairs together. Which I, I'm okay with. on the Lord's day. You start scooting your chairs together. And then you start to find that you're not sitting just on your chair. You're also sitting half on someone else's chair as well. You're, you're, your seats are merging into one. And you're all kind of converging onto one chair. Christ is saying, if you overcome, you get to sit with me and my father. There's a space for you on the throne. You get to reign with us. 
Anybody feel worthy of that? Good, you shouldn't be, but Christ has made you. Christ has made you worthy of that. It's conditioned upon, though. You want a space here? You want to sit here? Here's how you get to sit. Here's how you get a space. Overcome. How did Christ overcome? Resist Satan. Obey God because he loved God. Endure suffering for a time because there is a greater joy that is ahead of you if you overcome. Scriptures, Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy that was set before him, Christ did what? Ran away from the cross for the joy set before him. No, Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ loved God perfectly and obeyed the will of God perfectly. He resisted Satan, endured suffering for the sake of righteousness, all for the joy set before him. We overcome through faith, rooted in love, evidenced by obedience, producing virtues that are tested to prove genuine. Listen to this through flame. Through flames. We therefore overcome as we walk the narrow path, as Christ walked the narrow path. We do not love our lives so much that we seek to preserve our lives, right? That, that we seek above all else to protect ourselves, even if it means denying Christ. No. We don't love our lives so much that if we were faced with death or faced with suffering that we would repudiate Christ. No. We overcome. We overcome. It is through many trials that we must enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14.22 they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. Yes, John says that's the first way. And because of the word of their testimony, which means this, that, that they did not love their lives even when they were faced with death. How do you overcome? First by Christ and by holding fast to Christ by the word of our testimony. Even when we are faced with death. Even when we are faced with the prospect of suffering, we will not turn away from Christ. Saints of God, every single one of the seven churches of the book of Revelation were admonished by the Lord with this. Every single one of them. He who overcomes. He who overcomes. He who overcomes. Revelation 2.7. Revelation 2.11. 2.17. 3.26. 3.5. 3.12. 3.20. 3.21. If you want to go, go back. Oh, you said those too fast, too fast. Go back to every single one of the seven churches addresses. You will find Christ saying to every one of them at least once overcome. He who overcomes will receive. He who overcomes will receive. He who overcomes will inherit these things. Overcome. It's common throughout the entire book of Revelation. Why? I wonder why. They were faced with immense opposition, persecution sent by Satan in order to cause those who professed faith in Christ to value their, li their own lives over Christ. Uh, to value a worldly inheritance over an eternal inheritance. You and I are faced with the same, the same temptation. The church for all, time, for all time is faced with the same temptation. The letter of Revelation is, writ is written to proclaim the defeat of Satan and the victory of Christ. This letter was written to proclaim that Babylon has fallen, that the kingdom of God stands above all powers and all authorities. Therefore, God's people should not fear. 
They're reminded of the words of Christ who declared, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have suffering. Here's the encouragement. But take courage. Christ says he has overcome the world. For those who feared that if I hold fast to my testimony of Christ, what will become of my livelihood? What if I get fired for my faith? What if I am ostracized from society because of my faith? Christ says to you, overcome. For those who feared harm because of their faith, what if I'm not only fired, um, what if I'm put in fire? What if my feet are put to the flame? What if I am burned at the stake, which they have been? What if my life is in danger? Christ says, overcome, conquer. For those who were tempted by the allurements of the harlot, for those who were looking at the world and all of the things that the world is saying, come to me, come and receive this. You'll get satisfaction here. You'll get joy here. Christ is saying, you have strength to resist that. See him as more desirable. See him as more pleasurable. See him as being able to give true and lasting happiness. Overcome it. Conquer it. 1 John 5, 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you of God? Are you born again? Are you a new creation? Then John says, if you are, you overcome the world. That's what you do. Those who are not born of God do not overcome the world. Simple as that. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. How have we overcome? John says our faith. Faith in the Lamb of God. Life is hard. I know it. Here's our, our great challenge. We are naturally and understandably so. We are naturally inclined to that which does not give us any suffering. Anybody like to, to hurt? Some, there are some sick people who say, I like the pain. I like the pain. Okay, fine. You like. We are naturally inclined towards that which does not hurt. And rightfully so, understandably so. We pursue happiness and we think. Your elders just did a few week little short mini series on that. We think that the the pursuit of happiness, the road to happiness, the path of happiness, has no pit stops of suffering. And, and for some of us, long extended periods of suffering and pain. How could this be the right road when it hurts so much? So then we build up walls to keep us from suffering. Because surely suffering and pain cannot be the narrow path. It cannot be the right way, could it? This is why health and wealth doctrine is so appealing. This is why tell Satan to, to get away from whatever is, is, is paining you, causing you suffering is so appealing. Who wants suffering? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. I don't like it. It pained me to see my brother in the hospital last week. It wasn't, and it pained him even more, even more to be in the hospital. 
It pained us to hear that Leela was in the hospital. It pained her even more to be there. We can go through every single one of us. It pains our sister Doreen to go through the suffering that she's going through with her family. It, it pains her. It pains us to know about it. It pains her even more to be in it. It pains the, more the ones who are in the midst of it. It's not suffering is not fun. But if you were in Christ, suffering is a part of the cross that we have been called to bear. Because we're not walking our own path. Don't listen to any Christian who goes, everybody's walking their own road. Actually, we're not. We're all walking a narrow path and we're all been called to, to carry the same cross. We are all walking the path of Christ. We have been called to follow Christ. Uh, those who desire to be righteous as Christ must suffer. If we're following Christ, being made like Christ, um, how did Christ re- attain the joy set before him? It wasn't through tiptoeing through and skipping through Jerusalem streets. It was through dragging a a wooden cross as he dripped blood up Golgotha's hill. Let us not for one second think that our life is supposed to be as Christians lived on a bed of ease. Following in Christ involves suffering because Christ suffered. And Satan will use his brood of vipers as instruments to persecute you who call yourselves in the faith, who call yourselves in Christ. But if we love Christ, we will not only embrace suffering, but we in the midst of it will endure it and also overcome it because of Christ. We not only will say, I will embrace the cross, but also in Christ, I will overcome because of the cross. We will see that suffering is not the end, but it's a means to the end. When we're in the midst of suffering, go, this is all it's ever going to be, huh? My life is just going to be this way forever, isn't it? Well, no, not if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, it is... Working in you an eternal weight of glory that you do, you and I cannot even understand what we will be yet. But God is using that suffering to make us what we will be. Therefore, God is saying, this is the instrument that I am going to use to make you like me. Who are we to say, no thanks, got a different one? What else is over there? I'll take the one that, that, that doesn't, I'll take the one that hurts the least. Instead, we are offered, not offered, we are commanded to bear a cross. Saints of God, we must look beyond the things that are just for our health and our wealth. Praying for Julius's mother, let me be careful how I say this. We want her to recover. I pray that she lives a very long life, but she's going to die eventually. 
if our prayer is, God, keep me alive for 200 years, it's an un... Who wants to... Anybody want to be 200 and being wheeled around and being cleaned up and all that other stuff? No. So our clinging to, I, I, I need to live as long as possible. Live well. Take care of your bodies. But if you think that your health and your wealth is the end, and it's all you should live for, saints of God, I question, I would ask you to question whether or not you are in Christ. We live for that which goes beyond our own personal, private, temporal health. And that that goes beyond our personal, private wealth. We live for something beyond that. Something that's better than that. Someone who is better than that. We have been given new minds that can rightly reason. We have been rightly ordered so that we pursue virtues that are higher. Goods that are higher than what the world can offer. It's one of the ways that you overcome the world. By seeing what's the best the world offers. Health, wealth, prosperity. What's the best that God offers? Eternal happiness in Christ. Which one's better? For the one whose mind has been rightly ordered, you can see which one is more valuable. And you give yourselves to that. You give yourselves to that. Are, any of, are, are all of us going to have the biggest, best houses? We all want them, don't we? The biggest and best cars, we all want them. But for many of us, we're not going to have them. And if your life is incomplete because you didn't have your own house and you paid rent all your life, then dear one, look beyond. Look to something beyond that. Look to something beyond that. Because there is something greater. There is someone greater. Overcome. Our flourishing in the province of God. Our growing in the virtues is a path that in God's infinite wisdom has been named suffering. It's the way that He humbles us. It's the way that He keeps us dependent upon Him. It's the way that He purges us of pride. Let us not run from suffering, but trust God who will purify us through flames. Our happiness, our pursuit of happiness, it requires giving ourselves away in love. To the one who gave himself to us in love. How did he prove it? Through suffering. I know that we are faced with trouble every day. Like Paul said, I die daily. But let me encourage you with this. When you are facing trouble, do not look at your life and say, like Peter said, I am facing something unique that no Christian has ever faced. That my life and my trouble is the most unique trouble that anybody has ever known. Peter says, stop that. You're facing something that is common to all believers. Don't think that God is excluding you, that you are Job. You're not Job. Let us stop calling, I'm facing a Job situation. You ain't Job. You ain't never known nothing like Job knows. None of us have. More than Job, you're not Jesus. We have never faced anything as, as terrible and as, as difficult as Christ. Let us not for one second think that our suffering is unique to us. Peter says, you're suffering what everyone suffers. 
All who are living for Christ suffer these things. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Overcome it. Be a conqueror. Be who you are in Christ. Endure it. Christ, as the only innocent one, has known suffering that no one has ever known because he is the only innocent one. Christ suffered unjustly. Our suffering is just. Christ did not need to be purified. We do. We are being made like Christ, the pure one. If anyone wishes to come after me, Christ says, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? We don't do all things well. I know that. We don't follow Christ perfectly. I'm the first to say so. When we fight against sin, we often sin in the process, don't we? But dear ones, we are fighting. And we have been promised that if we fight, we will overcome. We're not dancing with sin. We are fighting against sin. We are wrestling against sin. And we've been promised that if we wrestle against it, if we resist him, he will flee from you. And you were able to resist because Christ resisted. You were able to overcome because Christ overcame. You are an overcomer. You are a conqueror. Remind yourself of that when you are faced with sin, when you are faced with temptation, when you are faced with suffering. Remind yourself, I am an overcomer in Christ. Are you a perfect overcomer? No. But you are a progressive one. What about the times when you are imperfect? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, Nazby says, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Perfect? No. But nothing will separate you from his love. You are an overwhelming conqueror. You overcome because of him who is in you. Promise that you will. You will overcome. He will not let you go. If you overcome, God promises to be your God and you his son. You share in the inheritance of Christ. You will know true happiness. When you behold him in his light, you will see light. You will never know sorrow, never know darkness, never know suffering. We'll get to that in chapter 22 and 21. There's a joy set before you, saints. It's constantly proclaimed every Sabbath day. Endure and fight. Overcome to the end. Fight the good fight. Until you reach the very end, it is worth it. It is worth it. You're an overcomer. Secondly, in closing, these will be shorter. The sober warning for all of us. Verse 8. You can read that later, but for the cowardly. Interesting. The placement of this statement, isn't it? The the placement of this warning. All evil cast into the lake of fire. New creation. The glorified church in the presence of God. the, The promise of sharing in the inheritance of Christ for those who overcome. And then here comes this warning. But if you're a coward, if you're an unbeliever, (laughs) if you're a sorcerer, if you're immoral, for all of you, on and on, if you're a liar at the very end, this is not for you. 
The warning comes here so that no one is self-deceived. That is to say that so no one thinks that Christ does not see you. Christ is saying, judge yourself before you are judged. For those who believed that their secret opposition to Christ would go unnoticed, Christ warns, I see you. His blazing eye sees all. Well, you notice that the first category for those who will not share in this inheritance of Christ is the cowardly. Why this type of person first? Because the inheritance belongs to the overcomer. The inheritance belongs to the one who overcomes cowardice. Those who endure do not love their temporal life more than Christ and the eternal life He has promised for those who conquer. They love Christ more. It requires... Let me say to all of you, if I can catch all of your eyes, it requires a great deal of courage to overcome one certain doings. The cowardly, they repudiate Christ for the sake of their own lives. Christ laid down the, his life, but they're not willing to lay down theirs. They're cowards. L- let me say I'm not, John's not speaking about those who are sometimes timid to share their faith. If you're saying, gosh, I, I'm cowardly sometimes. Not you. Not, not you. We are all cowardice from time to time. The cowardly are those who betray Christ under pressure. The cowardly are those who deny Christ in order to save their own lives or to save their own reputations. They are those who will say when pressured... I don't know the man. They are those who are willing to betray Christ for whatever the world has to offer. They are Judas's. Such a person shows by their consistent denial of Christ, not that they have lost their salvation, but they never truly possessed it to begin with. 1 John 2.19 Such a person is the rootless one who, our Lord says, endures for a while, but immediately falls away when the pressures of this life come. Christ sternly warns. There is no place in the new creation for you, if that is you. Well, listen to this. At the same time, mercifully calls those who are wrestling with cowardice. But come, turn away from your cowardice. Be bold in Christ. There may have been some in the church then. And listen, look at me very quickly. And there may be some in the church here today who are on the cusp of cowardice. Christ is sternly warning you and mercifully calling you. Be bold for Christ. The coward turns away. And they show that they actually have always been an unbeliever at their core. By their denial, because of cowardice, they reveal the the word of truth does not dwell within them. They reveal that they do not belong to the fold of Christ. Uh, Peter says that these have been overcome by the enemy. And they used to be among the church. He says it would have been better for them 
if they had not known the way of righteousness. It would have been better for them if they had not even been here. If they had not ever come to church. If they had not ever heard the, the preaching and declaration of the gospel. If they had not ever come and received the sacraments of supper and water of the Lord's and baptism. It would have been better for them if they'd never even known it. Than to know it and turn and turn from it. Because the one who knows will be judged greater than the one who does not. Not that they were believers, but they had known the path of righteousness and have no and having knowing it, known it, turned to the wide road that leads to destruction. They were among the people of God, but not one of the people of God. They were a part of the visible church, at least for a time, but not the invisible church. God knows those who are his own. They gave themselves either when they were in the church or when they left the church to abominable or detestable things. They gave themselves over to the allurements of the harlot. This could be summarized by the acts of Demas, Paul's one-time co-worker, who Paul simply summarized him as this, who loved this present world. Demas leaves the ministry. Demas leaves working with Paul, one who at one time proclaimed the gospel, leaves Paul's side, leaves Paul's leaves leaves the labor of the ministry because he just loves the world too much. I'm not afraid to say it. The person who used to stand, not my dad, the person who used to stand in this, not this pulpit, but behind in this area before we came to this church, loved the world too much. And he preached for 10 years. Sold, which is illegal, sold all the things in the church rather than giving them away, took the money and went on a vacation to Hawaii. It's why when I see him, you will never hear me say, hello, pastor. No, you left the sheep because you love the world too much. They went out from us to show that they are not one of us. They then murderously, Paul calls, uh, John calls them murderers. They betrayed their fellow Christians by turning them over to authorities so that they could avoid persecution, so that they could avoid suffering. Tell us where the other Christians are. And they sang like a morning bird. You will find them where the sign of the fish is. You will find them in so-and-so's house and in so-and-so's house. Good. Pat them on the head. Now go along your way. And some of those that they turned over were murdered. And they share in that act of murder by turning over those who they one time called brother. They are Judas. They turn the righteous over to the unrighteous. They are enemies of the cross. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their deeds, being detestable, disobedient, and worthless for any good deed. John begins this list with cowards and ends this list with liars. 
It's why this morning when I read the law of God, it, it reminded me so much of what John is listing here toward the end. Why this verse? Why now? For some hearing this, it may seem like bad news. And for some it is. But it is a stern warning. And from God, it is a merciful call to those who are far off and those who are drifting away. Imagine being in the church Hearing all the wonderful promises while knowing you have not been bold in your faith. Um, that you have lied about believing in Christ. Lied about the truth of God's word. And then, in hearing this letter, when you gathered with the church, you hear this stern warning from Christ. And you are awakened. What am I doing? How am I living this kind of life? It's a call from Christ to turn. It's a call from Christ. Come to him and be an overcomer. Because there is a place for the cowards. There is a place for the sorcerers, for the idolaters, for the immoral, for the liars. It is the lake that burns with fire. It is the second death. The beauty and the happiness of the new creation that has been and will be revealed the, the um, complete joy that we will have as when, when we are with God and then when we are re- resurrected as well, when we overcome, if we overcome, the inheritance of sonship as Christ is son, uh, the, the fullness of the glory of God, the brilliance of the new creation, the church, the walls of the great city that will be so great that, that none shall overcome her, the fact that there will be no need for sun or moon, Because the glory of God will illumine the new creation and the Lamb will be our light. The overcomer, Revelation uh, 22, 4, 22, 3, will eat from the tree of life and we will see his face and his name will be written on our foreheads. All of these good things that that the church is present to hear and have heard throughout all these centuries. And then there's a warning, but it's not for the cowards. It's not for those who say, no, I don't know Jesus. The liars. The sorcerers. The on and on. It's not for them. Listen. Believe in Christ and escape hell. It, it's it's as, as, as simple as I can put it. And I think as simple as Christ is probably meaning to communicate. Believe in Christ and escape hell. Be bold. Love the church. Love the brethren. Walk in truth. Defend your brothers and sisters. Worship God. Overcome in Christ. Take up your cross. Follow Christ. Know that he will empower you to endure. It's not your power. It's God's power. And then he gives you power to endure. Joy is yours now. And there is a joy set before you. That will be yours if you overcome. I mean, look at all of your faces. You are overcomers. Let us pray.